Chapter 4, Relating to Brothers. Heads up, ladies, I'm about to bombard you with testimonies. To start this chapter, I want to first look at the experiences of a handful of women, and then we'll unpack them together. Get excited. These are awesome. This is a testimony from Amy. Quote, where would you be on a scale of 0 to 10 as my future husband? This is the question that my freshman self would ask whenever I met a new guy. And I mean every guy I met. I distinctly remember the day I stopped measuring guys to my ideal of a future husband. A close friend gently pointed out, Amy, you only talk to men you find attractive, and you treat other guys as inferior. But they're all equal in dignity as sons of God. I remember being very defensive, but I soon realized she was right. Something in me needed to change, so I chose to change my behavior. For example, I would choose to talk to a man that I didn't find as attractive, because it was now more important that we were brother and sister in the Lord. I was no longer worried if they were interested in me. I found that my friendships with men deepened as we turned from facing each other to facing the Lord together. As men and women, we can draw each other closer to the Lord instead of trying to draw the opposite sex only to ourselves. This is a testimony from Lauren. Quote, I used to hate calling the Christian men in my life brothers and women sisters. Even within my Catholic community in college, I would roll my eyes and think, come on, they're not our real brothers. Besides, I'm not going to marry one of my brothers one day. That's just weird. However, my perspective on relationships began to shift my first year out of college. I was working and I lived in a discernment house for young women, where the purpose was to get away with the Lord and to hear his voice. One particular woman, now a good friend, would always say to us, Good night, sister, and love you, sister. I just didn't get it. She wasn't my real sister. However, through our consistent holy hours with the Eucharist, the gaze of my life became more fixed on the Lord, as did my fellow roommates. And I began to understand the truth that these women were indeed my sisters because I was a real daughter of the real father. Without knowing much about my life, this particular woman loved me simply because I was a fellow daughter of God, her sister. I began to feel a shift in letting her call me sister and then a shift went around men. They were no longer primarily my potential future spouse or just guy friends, but truly my brothers in the Lord. This was so freeing for me to set my expectations aside and to simply love them as a sister by receiving relationships with them as a gift from the Father. It has changed the way I experience real friendship and freedom with men and women in my life as brothers and sisters. This is a testimony from Jacqueline. Quote, All throughout middle school, high school, and into my first two years at college, I struggled to relate to men as my brothers. Growing up, I dated many guys. When one relationship ended, I always looked to another guy to talk to, and I fell deeply into the party and hookup culture. I saw men as potential guys to date and objects I could use to feel loved and satisfied by, and I craved attention and affection. This all came from the deep desire and longing in my heart for love, which I filled with fleeting and inauthentic love. I knew that only God's love would satisfy me, but I was so caught up in what the world promises as happiness. This continued into my sophomore year of college until God broke through my stony heart. At the beginning of that year, I started dating a new guy, but this relationship was very different from my previous ones. It was the first relationship that was rooted in the Lord. 
the first relationship that was not out of use. I finally had the relationship I had actually always desired. But within the first few months, I realized how unsatisfied I still was. The quote, perfect relationship I always thought would be it, that would finally fulfill me, was not. In realizing this, I knew I needed to ask the Lord if he was still calling me to be in this relationship. I was convicted that the Lord was asking me to be intentionally single so that I could focus solely on my relationship with him and invest more in the community around me. I had never had a time in my life where I was intentionally single and pursuing Christian maturity. So I broke up with him and decided to go on a, quote, dating fast for the next year and a half. And let me tell you, it has been the best time of my life. I have received so much freedom, so much healing. I'm learning so much more of who God is and who I am to him. I have been able to fully invest in those around me and be more on mission. This decision has been so fruitful. The Lord has greatly purified my love for my brothers, and now I'm able to live as a free woman. He has truly taken my heart of stone and transformed it into a heart of flesh. A holy purpose. Whoa, there's a lot there, but I invite you to stop for a minute and consider what struck you in their experiences. Can you relate to anything? Do you agree with the things these women said? Disagree? Why? Why not? Did anything inspire you or maybe even challenge you? If you had to write a testimony about how you relate to men, what would it say? You can take a minute and pause this podcast and think about these things. It's good for us to acknowledge our disposition in relating to men. It's important for us to think back on how we viewed men in the past and how we view them now. Are they potentials? Have we been hurt so much by men that we don't even want anything to do with them? Do we let their actions dictate how we feel about ourselves? Does their view of us influence how we dress, our words and actions, or who we hang out with? Let's start with one basic principle that Lauren laid out for us. The primary or most fundamental relationship between men and women in Christ is as brother and sister. Those titles may rub you the wrong way, but when we look to what they communicate, we can see an essential truth there. If God is father, that makes us as his children, brothers and sisters. You may not experience a brother-sister closeness with every Christian guy you come across, but our disposition should be to honor and respect them as a son of God and as our brother. If and when you get married someday, only one man will be your husband. Every other man you encounter will be your brother. Furthermore, in heaven, brother and sister is the only relationship we'll have with each other. There will be no spousal relationships. To relate as brothers and sisters is the eternal way of relating. Sometimes the problem is not that we want to marry all the men we meet, but rather that we dislike or distrust all the men we meet. Remember the discord between Adam and Eve that entered after the fall? Seeing men as brothers in Christ helps us to heal and realign our hearts. JP2 says, In Christ, the mutual opposition between man and woman, which is the inheritance of original sin, is essentially overcome. Our relationships with our brothers ought to be based on committed love. Adam and Eve were helpmates to one another as they shared in the mission of being fruitful and multiplying. We share a similar mission as Christians. 
We're all called to be fruitful and multiply, not only potentially in marriage one day, but also as Christians who are on mission. Our lives as followers of Christ should bear fruit in the world and multiply his family. Just as Adam and Eve were helpmates to each other, we are helpmates with our brothers in Christ. Serving our brothers. We can trust that our brothers are seeking to grow in relating as brothers and sisters as well. As you're working through this material and recognizing areas that you want to grow in, so are your brothers in your SPO formation community. Let's pray for them as they wrestle with related topics. One way that we can serve our brothers is by giving them space to grow in their identity as men. As they learn from their brothers and are called on to holiness by one another, they will become men who are more rooted in the Lord. And this is not only a blessing to them now, but also a blessing to their future wives, their children, co-workers, parishioners, or other religious brothers one day. I assume that 90% of the time, our natural inclination is to desire to be in co-ed environments. It's totally fine and normal to desire that. But it's important for us to realize the value in having separate men's and women's environments. We just talked about the need for sisterhood. This takes time for us to build and requires us to prioritize time to be with just women. The brothers also need time to be with other brothers. In these environments, men learn what it means and doesn't mean to be a man. I'm not saying that men can't learn from women or the other way around. That's why co-ed environments are so important to our way of life. Rather, something powerful happens when brothers are together with brothers and sisters with sisters. And honestly, if we don't make space for them to learn from other men, they'll learn about manhood, including how to relate to women, through a variety of less-than-reliable resources, i.e., TV, movies, social media. Think about that. Brothers being together is necessary in both structured men's environments, but also in their downtime. If we're always hanging out at one of the men's houses, they're not going to have the freedom to really be themselves and do guy things. Although I'm married to a man, I have no idea what actually takes place in men's households when no women are around. And that is probably a good thing. When, as men and women, we make time to grow in brotherhood and sisterhood, our co-ed time together is so much more healthy, joyful, and selfless. It's about giving each other space, space to become rooted in our identities in the Lord, space to grow with sisters and brothers. And this space pays us back. When we come together, we're not seeking to gain anything in a selfish way. We're just seeking to serve each other and honor the Lord together. If this paints a rigid or sterile picture of the times that we're together, you have the wrong idea. These environments are vibrant, transformational, and so much fun. The Ohio State SPO students started throwing tailgate parties when I was a missionary there. The environment was unique and attractive. One time, a friend of one of the men came to a tailgate. It was his first experience of SPO. He looked around at everyone and saw something different. No one was drinking, but they were having fun. The guys and girls were dancing to the music, but they weren't getting physical with each other. There was something different and good happening there. I've never seen anything like this, he said to his friend with awe in his voice. We have the ability to create a new culture on campus that can be a powerful witness to life in Christ. Hearts in good order. As before with sisterhood, we have to begin by addressing our hearts. As before, it's not a one-time thing. 
we regularly examine our hearts, our intentions. In prayer, we should ask these fundamental questions. Do I believe that Jesus is enough? And do I believe that God has good things for my life? Jesus is enough. Do we believe this? Maybe in our minds we know it, but what about our hearts? Personally, I need constant reminders. I need to practice being content with what I have. There are times in life that are easier to be content than others, but we should regularly be going to the Lord in prayer and declaring, Jesus, you are enough for me. Those words can transform our hearts. Pray that Jesus would show you that he is enough for you. God has good things for our lives. Again, do we believe this? Eve's answer was no. It led her to eat the forbidden fruit. In the book Heaven's Song by Christopher West, he compares Eve with the woman in the Song of Songs. Both women eat fruit of a tree, but the woman in the Song of Songs is blessed, and Eve is cursed. What's the difference? Eve grasped for the good thing she saw because she didn't believe that God had good things for her. The woman in the Song of Songs did not grasp, but she trusted the Lord and received the fruit that God gave her. If we don't believe that God has good things for us, especially in regards to our future vocation, we'll be tempted to grasp at potential relationships and cling to them out of fear that they'll be taken from us. But when we believe that God wants our good even more than we do, we will relate to men with detachment and trust in the Lord. Don't get me wrong, ladies. Wanting a relationship is good. A desire for marriage is good. Asking ourselves these questions isn't supposed to cast a dark cloud over our hopes. It's about detachment. It's about holding our dreams out to the Lord with open hands rather than with a closed fist. Detachment allows us to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing I'm talking about is Jesus, if that wasn't clear. When we're detached from our own plans and trust that God has good things for us, we can receive God's plan for our lives as a gift. One tangible way that we can grow in this trust and reliance on the Lord is to take a certain amount of time to not date, to grow in single-heartedness. Again, Does this mean that dating is bad or wrong? Obviously not. In order to have good, healthy marriages, we need to have good, healthy dating relationships. But in order to approach a dating relationship in a good and healthy way, we should have a solid relationship established with God. Can God still work in relationships where this wasn't established first? Sure. But approaching a relationship in this way can save a lot of challenges down the road. I'm someone who always had a guy in mind when I was in high school and college. I can totally relate to Amy's experience of asking herself, where would you be on a scale of 0 to 10 as my future husband? It seems like I was either dating someone or thinking about dating someone. I had never been that intentional with Jesus. Singleness, for me, was a problem to fix, not an opportunity to grow. So I took some time to focus on my relationship with God. I was intentionally single for a season of my life. Looking back, I can see so clearly that it was the best decision I could have made for my relationship with the Lord and for my future marriage. I know women who have answered a call to religious life who say the same thing, that setting aside this time was the best decision they could have made for their vocation. 
In this time where I set aside dating, I was able to rely more wholeheartedly on the Lord and truly experience that He was enough for me. I identified areas in my life that needed healing. I had opportunities to be prayed with and time to work through those areas. I grew in sisterhood because the women around me were my focus. Instead of dating, I was on mission, and that's good because I'm still on mission today as a married woman with kids. All of these blessings and more came to me when I allowed this special time of singleness to become something more, a radical gift of myself to the Lord. Thoughts in good order. Matthew chapter 12 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we want to know the mind of Christ, we're going to need to be intentional about our media intake. Let me explain. Whatever we consume forms our mind and our hearts. If we want to build strong, healthy, holy relationships with our brothers in Christ, we need to be selective about what we consume, especially when it comes to media. If we're always listening to, watching, or reading things about romantic relationships, it's going to make it hard to be content with being single. And if you are dating, depending on what you're watching, it might make putting Christ first that much harder, not to mention purity. Decisions in good order. How do we set our eyes on God alone? How do we cultivate a heart that seeks him first? I can tell you it's not just by willing it to happen. It's by putting into practice habits and dispositions that help us grow over time. This can be a slow process. Let's say you experience a special grace at a retreat or a deep conviction during a time of prayer. You make a decision to live for the Lord. Even so, it'll take time to grow in single-heartedness and discipline. It took me a long time to unlearn the habits I grew up with like making choices based off of what guys thought of me, for example. Remember my previous advice about asking, is this helpful? This is a great rule of thumb for making decisions about how to relate to the brothers in your life. I'll give an example using an especially sensitive subject, modesty. I know that we can feel confused and even condemned about what we're wearing and what we're sharing. Modesty covers more than clothing. Instead, turn to the Lord and trust. Ask for his mind, his guidance about what to reveal and what to conceal. Modesty is not about shame, but about power. Christ empowers us to decide what we show. He helps us discern what others should know about the most intimate parts of ourselves. I wouldn't call that condemnation. I would call that freedom. There are other ways we can do a deeper reflection. Below are some questions that serve as a self-test. Remember, this is not about beating ourselves up. We are learning. This is just about honestly examining the ways we relate to the men in our lives. So some questions that we can ask ourselves are, would I be doing this with my biological brother? Would I be okay if this guy married my best friend one day? Would I be saying this, doing this, wearing this? If this man were married and his wife was in the room, Supposing he's an SPO brother, there's a good chance you may actually know his future wife. I can think of a number of my friends who married a man that one of their other friends was attracted to at some point. Another question. How would I feel if the man I married someday is texting a girl today, throughout the day, even though they're just friends, or praying together, or sharing intimately about personal struggles? Would that sit right with my future self? 
bringing it back to the present, and I know that this takes some mental gymnastics, but here's the question. How will this awareness change my own approach to just friends' relationships with men today? Do I give preference to certain men and relate to them in an exclusive way? Do I frequently text or DM a certain man just to talk without a good reason? Would I send this text or share this with a man if I were a religious sister or if he was a priest? Invitation, not rules. I wish I could sit with you in your small groups and hear your thoughts, experiences, wisdom, and questions. I encourage you to be real with each other as you work through this chapter. It's okay to wrestle with these ideas. I remember when I first tried taking this approach, seeing men as brothers first, I was totally discouraged. I felt guilt for the ways I had related to men in the past, and I was totally overwhelmed at the idea of changing my habits and thought patterns. My pastoral leader was such an encouragement to me. She told me that these things were not rules to feed a sense of failure but wisdom that had been handed on by those who had gone before me. Not lofty ideas lived to perfection by saints, but hard-won lessons from imperfect women who decided they wanted something more. I could get behind that. I hope you can get behind it with me. I can tell you that I experienced great freedom from doing my best to relate to men in this way. That's what this is about. This isn't about being perfect or doing the, like, the right thing. This is about freedom in the Lord and detachment. I believe that if you shift your minds and hearts to see the men in your lives as brothers first, and if you take time to be more rooted in your relationship with Jesus, you'll be able to look to the Lord and say, you truly are enough for me, God, and you always will be. Despite the challenges on the road, you will be able to see whatever God has for you as the gift he truly intends it to be. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. 